Hear that sound? Imagine that's the sound of a bot, a web crawler. Just a few really quite simple lines of code scraping the internet. It's looking for something. It's looking, among other things, for your mistakes. listening to the ticker podcast from ir magazine a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations hi everyone it's happened to the best of them or at least the biggest google microsoft twitter jp morgan dow and daimler it seems to happen a lot but in fact no one really knows how often it happens or even to who. But it happens. It's embarrassing. Basically illegal. And the consequences can be devastating. It's pretty much what every IRO is scared of. On today's program, premature disclosure. We'll look at tips and tricks any IRO can use to prevent premature, selective or erroneous disclosure. And has board diversity hit an impasse? We'll hear about the latest trends affecting change in ethnic and racial diversity in Fortune 500 boardrooms. Boards are being more proactive in thinking about adding diversity to the board. But first, here's this week's IR ticker news. Hong Kong-based firms are taking big strides towards boosting their corporate governance performance. A PwC survey of published governance reports finds significant enhancements to their level of disclosure on internal control and risk management systems. This follows the introduction of an amended governance code at the start of 2016. Still, the PwC report points out certain areas with plenty of room for improvement. For example... While almost all firms claim to have an internal audit function, only 36% disclose sufficient resources, qualifications, and experienced internal audit staff. Top executives at Asian firms are ramping up their commitment to investor relations. According to IR Magazine's latest global practice report, Asia-based senior managers committed an average 66 days to investor relations-related tasks last year. That's a year-on-year increase of eight days. The figure is substantially higher than for counterparts based in Europe, where the average for the year is 36 days, and the U.S., where it's 42. Activists have set their sights on Israeli companies. Twelve companies were targeted over the last 18 months, according to new data from research firm Activist Insight. That's as many as in all of the previous three years. Israel also appears to be popular with short sellers. There have been 21 campaigns against Israel-headquartered companies since 2013. The National Investor Relations Institute has joined the list of those asking for greater regulation of proxy advisors' practices. In a letter to the SEC, Neary Chief Executive Gary LeBranch called on the regulator to investigate whether ISS and Glass-Lewis are acting in compliance with the Investment Advisors Act. The current system allows for automated vote casting on behalf of investor clients, a model LeBranch believes contravenes the rule. 
Finally, U.S. President Donald Trump is being discussed less in conversations between issuers and investors than he was six months ago. According to research by FactSet, there's been a 76% decline in the number of companies making reference to the now president during quarterly earnings calls. The research firm suggests that the decline in Trump citations may be a sign that corporations are growing less confident that Trumpist policies will be enacted in the near future. Last year, America's Fortune 500 firms added over 400 non-executive directors to their boards. That's more turnover than ever before. But who are these people anyway? To find out, IR Magazine's Ben Ashwell sat down with Hydric and Struggle's Vice Chairman Jeffrey Sanders. And, coming up next, the last of a three-part series, Ben and Jeff focus on the latest trends in boardroom racial and ethnic diversity. Uh, we're talking today about Hydric and Struggle's uh, latest board monitor. This is an annual report into Fortune 500 board appointments. So, Jeff, according to the, the board monitor, the percentage share of ethnically and racially diverse board members appointed to the Fortune 500 has increased from 14% in 2009 to 22% in 2016. Why do you think we're seeing this increase? I think it's, uh, it's because boards are being more proactive in thinking about adding diversity to the boards. Mm-hmm. Um, diversity from an ethnicity standpoint, diversity from a gender standpoint, and mm-hmm. diversity of thought. Um, it's not enough progress. Uh, there needs to be more made. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason you see the increase is awareness followed by proactively trying to change. Well, and, and, and to your point, you know, to play devil's advocate, while the progress has improved, there is still roughly only one ethnically or racially diverse board member appointed for every three white board members. Um, and of course, that doesn't reflect the diversity that we see in society today or even on the street down in, in, in New York um, so why do you think that is historically, you know, why do you think that is and what are boards doing to redress it? Well, I think historically it, the issue has been that if you look at two-thirds of the appointees were either current or former CEOs and either current or former CFOs. Mm-hmm. And that population of, of people um, does not have nearly enough diversity in it. Mm-hmm. So um, within the CFO population, um, 5% uh, of that group is is ethnically diverse and within the CEO population 6.7 percent is mm-hmm. ethnically diverse and if you're focusing your efforts on that population uh, there's a limit uh, to, to how many ethnically diverse people can serve on boards mm-hmm. and so I think boards have to become more creative in how they think about sourcing talent mm-hmm. um, think in a broader way as you look into the c-suite think a broader way um, as, as your business enters the market in ways to become more inclusive and to bring people people along and, and so wh- how does that affect the work that you do with that sort of limited talent pool, working with boards to think about broadening horizons, broadening perspectives? Um, how does it affect your work? Well, it affects our work in, in the fact that our job is to help them understand how they can approach their thinking in a different way mm-hmm. in order to become more diverse. Mm-hmm. And so we have those conversations on an ongoing basis as we're talking with boards over the long term about their own succession strategies mm-hmm. and, and how they can become more proactive and, and to give them ideas that we're seeing, you know, pure companies do in order to make themselves more, more diverse. Sure. And I, I remember sort of covering uh, gender diversity uh, as a topic back in London around sort of 2009, 2010, when momentum really picked up. And I remember talking to um, some of your peers in London at the time, and they were saying, you know, it's amazing how in conversations, uh, subtle things like changing from 
uh, board experience required to board exposure required or something. Right. Subtle things like that that just open up a significantly broader talent pool. Um, and presumably that that's the kind of work you're doing now with your clients and sort of, you know, Absolutely. Everyone's a first-time independent director at some point, sure. right? So it's just it's, it's steering how you choose to open the door for, mm-hmm. for, uh, for people to enter and to, to have that first-time experience. Excellent. Well, thank you for partici- participating in these videos, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I would recommend that everyone uh, takes a look at the Hydrogen Struggles Board Monitor. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Ivory Woodall is one of America's top webmasters. She's played a major role in the launch of online newsrooms and IR websites for a slew of big-time corporations, both stateside and around the world. Now, as BusinessWire's Senior Vice President for Web Communication Services, her top priorities are making sure her clients' websites are both secure and updated with the latest technology. When it comes to security, Woodall believes that too many IR sites today are just begging to become victims of Murphy's Law, I reached her at BusinessWire's Florida office to find out why and what IROs can do about it. For Woodall, the elements of security go beyond the expected network and server infrastructure support. We talked about issues around internal human workflows, technical compatibility of the systems used to announce your company's financial information, and abiding by fairly basic security conventions and protocols. Our conversation begins on the all-too-common scourge of premature disclosure. It's pretty much what every IRO is scared of, if you think about it. I mean, because, you know, say you're having a good day and something happens and all of a sudden your earnings are on your IRO website before they should be, so therefore it's not being disseminated simultaneously to everyone. Therefore, uh, all of a sudden... Somebody else has it before somebody else does, and you've just got a really bad day ahead of you. There are best practices to and guidelines to go by to keep this from happening so that you don't have to spend the rest of your time dealing with it because uh, it certainly leads to a bad day. I mean, when there are tried and true methods established, why not utilize them? <laughs> uh, there are tried and true methods, and people don't seem to be picking up on them because these things seem to be happening a lot still now. Sorry. They do still happen because someone will try something new or, or they'll think that they can handle it. Uh, sometimes it's just new people, you know, that aren't used to it, don't really know what they should be doing. Uh, unfortunately, that's still happening out there in the IR world. It, it, you know, just like any time you're you're responsible for something this important, you really should be aware of those tried and true methods. And at least, you know, until you have it down pat, make sure that you follow them. It's technology. Technology does change every day. But sometimes, you know, you shouldn't just do something just for the sake of doing it just because you can do it from a technology perspective. You should just make sure that, you know, you are following what you know to work. There are a lot of elements that go around creating and maintaining the IR site. You know, and every IRO should be cognizant of that, uh, and their team should be cognizant of that, you know, going beyond just the normal technical server hardware infrastructure. That's usually handled by the tech team, but there are things that the IR team should really follow, be aware of at least. To, to make sure that, you know, their days are going to be decent. 
Yeah, that's right. It gets down to the old checklist. It's not, it's not just it technical. Does. It's this mix of sort of the fat thumb kind of thing or the fat finger or, or just, as you say, somebody who's new on the job or, or just something like that or, and technology. So it's, it, the, the opportunities for this kind of thing are, are growing, really. And, and they're not difficult. Know, right? <laughs> that's the key. <laughs> they really aren't difficult. I mean, you know, you have to really establish, you know, these habits, if you will. But, I mean, it really, sometimes just to try to, quote, being try to save time, uh, sometimes people will post their earnings on the website you know, under, quote-unquote, a hidden URL, you know, because at that time it's already there and they can just take it live. It's a lot easier for them during the stress of the day. But when you do that, you run the risk of it being found, and it has been found. So, again, there it is no longer simultaneous. It's prematurely disclosed. You know, and in that side. in that particular case, it's not even you're running the risk. It seems like with, with these sort of web crawlers and stuff, it's guaranteed. You exactly. leave it on for half a second, oops, you're, oops it's already too word. late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oops yeah, is indeed a good word. Um, you know, and then again, getting also back to the team. I mean, having, you know, new people uh, or having unauthorized people have access to your IR site. You know, I mean, you, you certainly don't want to have, you know, a brand new summer intern be able to post you know, materials type of content because they may not know what they're, you know, realize what they're doing. Yes. And and a lot of people think, okay, I'm just going to let everybody on my team have access to be able to go into the site and post and publish content. You should be very careful about that. Sometimes people even go to the, to the point of where they have a, an internal workflow where you've got someone who's responsible for uploading content and then you have someone responsible, a higher level person responsible for actually vetting that content before it's published. So again, not difficult to do, strictly related to internal workflow and not server related. And these are things that are, as you know, in the the world of cybersecurity are really, really becoming very, very important. I mean, even down to the basics of Password generation. Uh, you know, I mean, you need to have your passwords eight characters in length, minimum. You need to make sure that you change them on uh, somewhat frequently. You need to make sure they're not easy to guess. They have to be strong. You know, I mean, in today's world, it's, talk, it's use of, you know, lowercase and uppercase numbers and special characters. These are all things that again, are not difficult to do, but they may be sometimes not as sexy as, you know, being able to design a website or anything like that, but these are things that you really need to adhere to. And the team needs to not share these passwords. Um, the manager needs to make sure that the team is indeed changing these passwords on a, on a frequent basis. These are, again, in my personal opinion, these are things that are, are very, fairly simple. It's not rocket science. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not, not like rocket science. You have to. It, it, it really is kind of just more or less a checklist or a protocol. Really, it is. Like, it is. As far as the internal workflow goes, uh, but then then you can it can get a little bit more you know technical. I mean, when you start going to the next level of if you start talking about technical compatibility. Um, you know, this is where you're actually really going to gain the efficiencies, and it's it's just so. 
when you're using, especially if you're using a vendor for your IR site hosting, as we all know, whenever you're utilizing vendors, corporations are utilizing vendors, you're going to really gain a lot of efficiencies if you use a single vendor for multiple services. It's just you, you gain in time and you gain in budget. Again, still being the tried and true best practice is to send out a press release announcing your earnings. That's still, you know, nothing new, nothing too soon, but sending it out over newswire distribution and then having that posted automatically and directly to your IR site, which is also hosted by your newswire vendor. <clears throat> that's where you're going to get efficiencies, and that's also where you're going to reduce risk um, because you're dealing with one vendor and you're dealing with those that, that particular vendor's systems, if you will, technical systems. So, you know, you don't have as the, the opportunity of uh, that particular release being delayed in posting to your uh, uh, IR site or, or, heaven forbid, even lost uh, huh. if some other vendors have to actually access it through uh, an additional workflow step or going to an additional aggregator to get that particular release. So it's just kind of, you know, like you say, you know, not only is it a checklist, but it's steps, step one, step two, step three. If you had it, have to add in step 2A, then you're going to add in additional risk. Does that make sense? I understand why Business Wire would want to suggest that. But the thing is, like what we were just talking about before, is like self-publishing is no panacea. Even if you, you know, you do do it all in-house, you're still going to have that checklist. And you do want to keep all those steps kind of to one sort of unit kind of thing. But if you are going to have somebody, a third party, you, you want to have just one kind of direct arrow to that third party and not have other steps in that that can be tripped up one way or another. Uh, and also, I mean, you know, and, and even if you are, use, like you said, just using your own technical team, then you, you have to get to the next level that you really, as an IRO, you really should be aware of and not just take for granted that, you know, the team is doing what they should be doing as far as security awareness goes, um, whether it's your internal tech team or your vendor. I mean, they should be following defined security practices, such as, you know, making sure that uh, they possibly have been uh, monitored by a third party, uh, uh, an independent um, auditor, to make sure that they are doing certain things that they should be doing. Uh, this is going to probably be more prominent in for vendors than it will be for internal ones. But you, really, you, you want your internal team to also be following these best practices, if, if you will. I mean, you know, these, these things are relating to security, uh, availability of your content, um, in privacy, things like that, that are a big deal uh, in today's world. And there's, there, there are certifications out there, and every technical team knows about them, that actually prove that they are following uh, these best practices or these defined security pra principles that are out there today. You know, whether you, whether you're having to, you know, uh, just have basic checks and balances of limiting physical access to only select personnel, uh, blocking specific IP addresses, actually forcing those password updates if the, uh, IR team is not necessarily doing it on their own. They need to be forced to do it. Because, you know, all of a sudden, if you haven't accessed, or actually if you are not working on your site for a while, you, you really want that to, 
and you walk away from your desk, you really want to make sure that that thing is going to automatically log you out after X amount of time because the last thing you want is somebody else coming in there, you know, and making changes to it because they have access. These, again, these are basic security steps that humans have to handle. There are basic security steps. Technology has to back up. There there just seems to be so many of them, you know, so many vulnerabilities. Um, At at any step of the way, that's why you, you want to limit those steps. At any step of the way, there could be a myriad bunch of snafus. Something could be left on a table. You could walk away from your desk. Uh, you know, um, I think I think the sort of hidden URL phenomena. I, I can't believe that companies would still do that, but maybe there are some smaller ones that that, that still do. And, well, no, and, large ones too. And, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but it went for a while where just because they felt they could, they would. And and you know, I think once you get burned. You learn not to do it again, and and you and if you're not having what I call technical compatibility, where you know when you do have the newswire dis, dis, uh, distribution out there, you should have your the the technical part of this, the machinery, to be able to receive that press release that's been distributed and pull it down automatically and directly. Uh, a lot of them will always automatically post. There's a way to do that, to grab a feed and do that. But you need to make sure that it's pulling directly from systems that are all within the same environment versus out there having it sent out into the universe. And then, you know, then it has to go to step, like you say, step two here, step three there, step four there, before it actually gets to the IR site. And again, that's a machinery. That's all about machinery and making sure that it's integrated very cleanly. There are a lot of ways to to mess things up, but ultimately, it, it seems like this is what's going to hit you in the end. It's going to be one of these sort of web crawlers that, or or Bloomberg or somebody, or or, or just somebody it guessing. Could, it you could know. be that. Yeah, it could be that, but it could also be as simple as a human being guessing what URL you have it at. Right. <laughs> because you know you've had you you have a a. Uh, a naming convention that, okay, fine, you know, earnings release XXXX, you know. So uh, it could be as simple as a very sharp journalist just guessing at what it is. I mean, the bots are out there. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're scraping and scraping and scraping and taxing your servers and, you know, looking for these things. What happens when this happens? Has anyone ever been, you know, kind of prosecuted under FD? Or I mean, I guess there's heads roll and stuff, but is beyond just that is is you know there legal yeah, consequences? Roll. Just heads. Yeah. <laughs> heads do roll. What happens? It usually affects the stock price. You know, sometimes in a negative way. Yes, you're supposed to be adhering to the fact that you should be giving this information to all parties at all times simultaneously. So there could be legal ramifications there, but you're really going, what you are going to also happen to you is, is the fact that you're going to garner a lot of unwanted media attention, uh, and which is going to provide negative conversation around the company out there in the universe, which of course, as we know, can sometimes affect stock price. And you're going to have to deal with that as an IRO and come back from it. It's going to be a headache. It's going to take a, a lot of time. 
j- j- just to deal with it, but also, yeah, it's just, it, it makes you look stupid. It makes, it's embarrassing. It makes people wonder it's embarrassing. what you're doing. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. When there are known tried and true methods, and it is, that's a good word for it. Embarrassing is a good word for it, but it's, it's also unprofessional. And you're, you know, I mean, it's okay to be a risk taker, but only in certain areas. <laughs> yeah, there's that. This is, this is not one of those areas. But I, I'm just wondering, have you ever heard, like, of anyone actually being prosecuted other than, other than you know, the heads rolling kind no, of thing? No, I couldn't but, tell you. I no? couldn't tell you that, no. There may be some, some history out there, but I, I couldn't tell you that. Hmm. So I guess the SEC just uh, says, okay. I do know of heads, being, of heads rolling. I do know of that. IRO heads. Anyone in particular? I'm not going to no? comment okay. on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, it's hard to bounce back from that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so, I mean, and, and again, this really isn't just, uh, you know, our surrounding IR sites. I mean, it is when you're dealing with IR sites. I mean, your your website is the last thing you want to become a liability, obviously. I mean, you want it to run very smoothly because, I mean, IROs have way too many jobs. The last thing you want to deal with is is a situation with the website, but when it comes to security, it, it, that goes beyond just IR sites. That's every site nowadays. Just like every site nowadays needs to be, you know, responsive, adaptive, responsive, so that mobile devices can access it. Um, every site should uh, go through a gauntlet of security steps before it, it they are launched, if you will. And maintained on a regular basis. So your point being that that's definitely doesn't have to be a headache. You've got better things to do. Um, this is almost kind of like a, kind of a pro forma thing. If you want to do it right, there is a way to do it right. Um, and uh, yeah, you've got you got better things to do. And and and, and the <laughs> the regret risk things. is huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly, regret risk. I like that. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then and then when it, you talk about technology, I mean, technology changes every day. So there's always going to be something new that comes out that you know makes these steps and these guidelines updated mm-hmm. and improved. So if you're following them, you know, it's a lot easier to add one more if you're already following them than just to all of a sudden have to hustle and add them all at one time. And you still get a sense that people aren't, you know, taking sort of fairly basic, even larger companies aren't taking fairly basic precautions. Like they'll have a six-work password, or they might, as you said, they'll have a outward-facing or a simple-to-figure-out URL, and they'll still do that somehow for some reason. I don't know. And and it, the funny thing is they may not even know they're being, you know, found out, right? Correct. They, they, Correct. They, it's not necessary that whoever's finding them out is going to broadcast this, they'll just wait for the next quarter and the next quarter and the next quarter. <laughs> they'll just keep keep doing it over and over again. But, you know, a lot of it has to do with, with you know, just like I said, the human factor, especially in the internal workflow. I mean, yeah. not, not, uh, not having, you know, not training new people, having a young IR team. Have these procedures, uh, internal workflow procedures, uh, like you say, from the human factor, but also from the technical factor. Make sure your IT team or your vendor, make sure they're following these things that they need to follow. You know, whether they're uh, performing vulner- vulnerability scans, always have problems with that word, uh, on your servers and making sure your servers are up to speed and no one can hack them, things like that. 
you know, it, it's a blend. It's a blend of human and technical. Is your IR site a security liability? Check out BusinessWire's new white paper on cybersecurity at irmagazine.com. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us again next week for a special edition of the Ticker Podcast. IR Magazine's Garnet Roach explores the relationship between pay, seniority, and sex in the IR profession and what we can do to ensure a level playing field. Um, and I think if you don't have a sense of what your market worth is, it makes it very hard to negotiate from that position. Thanks for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cassette. You've been listening to the Tinker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app.